What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? It is Friday night, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and you're at your place for the unfiltered experience. We talk about things and subjects and ideas that are designed to expand your mind, your confidence, your awareness of yourself and the things around you to have a better life. We appreciate you guys for being here, whether you're live or on the replay, every single Friday night, 5 p.m. Pacific 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, we're always here, the unfiltered experience, and I am Christopher Roush, your No Excuses Coach, and I'm joined, of course, by the awesome... Scott Goyette, and I am ready to talk about things tonight, Chris. I am ready to talk about things. You ready to You're talk ready about to things? things? Ready to talk about things? I like your black shirt. Thank you. Oh, are you wearing black too? Damn it. I know. We, we usually don't. I feel like we get lucky, and like we're always wearing like one got what has the light and one has the dark. Today, we're just both dark. We're, we're just dark. both dark. Yeah, we had a show a couple of weeks ago, and yeah. we were both white. Yeah. Well, today, this is the, celebrate the darkness in us today. Yeah. I, I know. Sometimes I wonder, like, What's funny is I only wear this shirt, like really my black shirt, my white shirt. I only wear them for the shows. Like I have all these other shirts and concert. I mean, I'm normally in a sleeveless shirt anyway, but it's funny. I'm like, I have my show shirts that I wear. Um, so every once in a while, maybe I'll just wear a concert shirt or something like that and just like freak people out. You just made me realize I had my little, uh, my cool little neck piece that would think there's a little one I wear. It's got like wood and metal and it looks like a table. And instead of building, you know, walls, build tables. So I always wear that. I was just about to put it on. I forgot. And you got your little thing on. Like, well, I've always got my little thing on. I know. I forgot my little thing. You forgot to see. I got the, it's a little kick-ass for you guys who can't see it on my necklace. It's a kick-ass guide to life guitar pick. Mm -hmm. Soon to be available in stores everywhere. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so what's going on, Mr. Scott? How's your week going? Uh, it's a great week. Just a lot of fun stuff. Um, at this very moment, I'm transitioning from the uh, last two weeks. I've been teaching uh, those students from Denmark who came in. We've been talking about sustainability and how to solve world problems. Like I've said a million times, it's our young people who have not only answers, but the practices already in place. And it's like, why are we as adults making things so complicated? Why can't we make them simple? They're like, I bring this this drink cup in so I don't waste cups. Like, OK, I'm willing to use the separation of recycling. And like where adults are like, oh, 31 percent of the stuff gets recycled anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> and these kids are. They're doing it all. Um, and then this weekend I'm doing the men's retreat. So I'm going from the youth and now I'm going to go talk to a group of men and make sure that uh, we're doing the right things to simplify life. Chris is making nice, beautiful. You're out there changing the world and making it a better place. I appreciate you for that. Yeah. Was there any aha moments or anything the students said that was kind of like, wow, I wish the whole world could hear this. Well, let's see one of the best aha moments. Honestly, you know, I'm going to use the word sim simplification again, because they they actually the CEO of the company that we were partnering with, um, they were doing some research for, for him and he was talking about all these complex issues and they were like, let's just do the simple stuff first. And they gave him like so many simple things and they're like, what would the impact look? And even he said, that's why we bring kids in, because they actually they see the simple stuff that makes the immediate difference, the low hanging fruit. So super smart. It was great. And very aha moments for me. Yeah. What about awesome. you? What's been the yeah. highlight of your week? The highlight of my week. I got new vans today, so I'm stoked about that. They have a new type of vans out there. You know, all, all the shoes now are like super, super light and vans are traditionally, you know, like more clunky and heavy. But uh, I went to the store today to get my son a couple of pair and I was like, Ooh, look at those over there. And so I, I went and picked them up. I'm like, fuck you. Like 
like super, super light. And like, oh, those are our new improved, you know, squishy, feely, whatever. So I put them on them. It's like walking on air. Plus yeah. you get the style of van. So I was like, I'm going to get me in there. So that was the, that's a highlight of my week. Um, that's a highlight. You walk around all day. That makes your back feel better. That's a highlight. I'm, I'm excited for you. Thank you. For thank you. Highlight. Yeah. The highlight this week has been working on the book. I just got done working on another chapter and going through and rereading it and refining it and then putting, um, uh, what I pot, what I, what I talk about, um, lessons in retrospect or something like that. Like, so after each chapter of the book, you know, obviously you guys know I'm writing my life story. And in that, um, you know, going through the, the trials and tribulations of where it was, I was living at that particular time. And then at the end of the chapter, I'm going back and, and using it as a personal development tool to say, okay, listen, retrospectively, I can see why these things happen. I can sit there and have understanding and for, forgiveness and empathy for my mom. And so it's been, so now I'm adding that component because I want it to be, you know, a journey and a, an autobiography, but I also want it to be a personal development book. So somebody can sit there and say, wow, you know, I see my childhood kind of like that. And if I could take the lessons that Chris has taken, then perhaps I can, you know, have a little bit of life that, that Chris house so yeah it's cool i'm excited i just want to get the fucking thing done i'm just so tired of talking about writing it i'm tired of telling my wife i'm writing it she probably thinks that i've got three words written when i've actually got um 155,000 words wow i'm gonna call it down can't even count that high so that's awesome i've got a spreadsheet <laughs> i've got a I spreadsheet obviously counted it's not like today you were going one two three <laughs> or if you did congratulations that's, that's what's taking me the longest is to count the words in the book I don't even write the damn every thing. day i gotta recount them i'm exhausted at the end of the <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's been a great week it's been a great week the one the one challenging part of the week is you know having having a 15 year old daughter is uh we caught i think i told you about this earlier in the week we caught jackson what we thought was in a lie you know it was really an interesting situation um long story short basically we we talked to him and we found out something happened at school and so we said, hey, buddy, you got to tell us the truth. Tell us what's happened. And he had the opportunity to put the outs on one of his friends, but he kind of took the fall for him. And so as a result, he got in trouble. You know, he got he lost his iPad privileges and we were you know, pretty strict with him. You know, like, OK, buddy, you got to tell the truth and da, 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 soft with them. But, you know, just, you know, yet establishing boundaries. And then we come to find out when I messaged the teacher about the same situation, we got a different story from the other kid. And then the teacher talked to the other parent and then the other parent gave my wife a different story. So it wound up that Jackson didn't do anything wrong. The thing he did wrong was he didn't tell us the truth about what really happened. Um, but ultimately we got to apologize to him and like say, okay, listen, buddy, this is the why you got it. I mean, you're not telling on your friends, but you got to also protect yourself at the same time and let us know the whole aspect of the story. So what was kind of troubling and confusing, we thought, okay, what's going on with this kid has turned out to be okay. But we, the, the long and the short of it was, is I asked the teacher, I'm like, does he exhibit, you know, ADD, uh, inattentive ADD symptoms? And she goes, yeah, we looked on online and I've got ADHD like crazy, but there's an inattentive type. And like, he checks all the bells and whistles. So I asked the teacher, I said, you're around these kids all the time. I said, would you say he is more so than normal kids or is he normal? Because I don't believe in that whole diagnosis thing and like giving a medication. But if there is a diagnosis there, we want to understand it. And she goes, oh yeah, he's definitely much more like those symptoms than any other kids in the class. And I was like, okay, good. It's good for us to know. So we can work with that and not have those expectations. Like, okay, dude, he's going to sit down and he's going to focus on things because he's really not. So that was good. So it was good. So we got an exciting show. But before we get to our guest tonight, as we always, Help Heal Humanity. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening on a podcast, we've got helphealhumanity.org running down on the ticker on the bottom of the screen. Helphealhumanity.org is an amazing organization that both Scott and I support. Um, Serena Buffalino is phenomenal. She's the founder and, and president and do so many different things out in the world. And all of the people who work for the organization are all volunteer based. And what I'm asking for you as a part of you guys watching the show and taking advice from the show and putting that into your life and having a kick-ass life is if you're looking for an organization to support where nobody takes a paycheck, where all the money goes exactly to where it's supposed to be going, 
please consider checking it out, www.helphealhumanity.org. Phenomenal organization. Right now, we are having a fundraising campaign to send kids to school. If you know anything, if you've been watching the news a little bit, Haiti is in a complete disarray. It's it's really heartbreaking to think about what's going on there. The gangs are running the streets, but still, even amidst all this different chaos and everything else, we're still sending these kids to school. We're still feeding them because the bigger problem is food insecurity. So the kids go to school, but they aren't able to concentrate because they don't have any food in their belly. So we're raising money right now. We have a $100,000 campaign to be able to send these kids to school and to feed them. We've got other campaigns going on as well. But if you're looking for an organization to support and you get value out of this show, that's the price to pay for being here with Scott and I is to do whatever you can with it. It's five bucks, 25 bucks. If you want to volunteer for the organization, if you have ways of fundraising for the organization, anything possibly that you can do to contribute and help, please do so and let me know. Let Scott know so we can thank you personally for that because together we can all make the world a better place. And for those of you out there going, okay, why Haiti? Um, you know, here in the United States and other parts of the world, we have a lot of opportunities and ways to raise money and do things like that. And it's not that we don't do things here or in Canada as well, but right now we're just really trying to focus on one of the hardest hit areas of the world and try to give them hope and let them know the world is there for them and with them. So we appreciate you guys for that. So helphealhumanity.org. Thank you guys for embellishing us with that, embellishing us, allowing us to have that. And so tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you all being here, whether you're live or on the replay. And this show especially goes out to the men. So uh, if you got men in your life, you know, please pay attention to this. Perhaps share this out with a few people because you've got Scott and I, who you guys see every week. We're, we're strong men, but we're vulnerable men. We're able to share our feelings and our emotions and talk honestly about our fuck ups and our failures and our successes and everything else. The gentleman we have coming on tonight is is no different than that. He is a, a, a great dude. He's been to hell and back and they wouldn't take him because they were thought he was going to take over. Uh, he's a brand new father. He's got an amazing story and he's got a lot of wisdom that he's going to share tonight that I think can help a lot of gentlemen out there like myself and like Scott who may be who may have in the past been like in our egos and everything else and been afraid or trying to live up to a stereotype this gentleman has got a heart of gold and he is an amazing speaker so ladies and gentlemen Mr. Nathan Kohlerman what's going on Nathan welcome what's to the unfiltered experience what's going on team how are we doing we are doing great. We're appreciative to have you here tonight. Um my damn screen keeps popping. How are you doing brother? I'm good, bro. I'm good today, I should say. I mean, it's been it's been up and down, you know, sun in the NICU and things are moving really fast and doing my best to keep up with it. And it, it's all good. Nice. <laughs> it's all Congratulations good. on being a new dad. Yeah. Thank you, bro. Number three. Number three. Number, wow. And, uh, Number three. So and, so honored, you know. and so and 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 your son was born uh, a little bit premature, right? Yeah. 28 weeks, five days. Wow. So he came almost 12 weeks early. Wow. And so now he's home with you guys? Not even. No. Oh, wow. We're on those last landmarks. So we're, we're waiting on him to finish up his feedings, to breathe on his own, to take milk and, and have the coordination and the abilities to self-sustain. So we've been just loving, supporting and back and forth to the hospital. It's been it's been quite a journey, man. Um, wow. Well, we'll, we'll I, like I told you before, off air, uh, we'll keep them in our thoughts and our prayers, and 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 we know everything will work out in the, in the best. So, um, thank you for sharing that with us. And you know, I just want to kind of dive off the deep end. I mean, your story is pretty incredible. I've I've read up on it. And you and I have shared clubhouse rooms. Let's talk about your life story. Let's talk about the the origins of Nathan Kohlerman and what brought you to be the man you are today. Yeah, man. And, you know, for, for those listening, this story, sometimes it's not too easy to listen to, you know, because from a very early age, right, went through abuse, went through a lot of neglect, went through a lot of turmoil, just living a life of isolation and really just wanting ultimately connection. 
whether that was being bullied or picked on or, you know, having suicidal ideations around the age of seven, that eventually led me on a path of just self-destruction. So after my parents split, I had gotten pretty deeply immersed in gang and drug culture and eventually leading to my heroin addiction um, around the age of 16. Right? So armed robberies, breaking and entering, <laughs> things that most 16-year-olds shouldn't be experiencing in their lifetime. You know, I was, I was living it and I was there and I saw a lot of darkness. And, you know, what I will say is that the drugs did, you know, save me at the moment. And that's where I have a very different look on addiction, right? Because addiction is still a solution. And if it weren't for those drugs, I'd probably have ended my life a long time ago, if not before then. And again, I'm not condoning them. But what I am saying is that for me, it was the pathway that eventually brought me to a place where I was on my knees and hitting that rock bottom was really, really hard <laughs> and very profound too, because when this happened and my mother and sister held an intervention for me, the next week I went back to school and there were army recruiters sitting at the doorstep. And it was in that moment that I made a choice that, you know, if I keep doing this, I'm going to wind up dead or in prison. So what else do I have to lose? Yeah. I talked to them, went through the whole process, signed the papers when I was 17, left a month after my 18th birthday. And that's how I sobered up. And then I served for about five and a half years. And in that process, you know, I saw a different lens of leadership, right? I saw the, the militant, the structure, the discipline. I saw a lot of disorganized chaos <laughs> is what I would say to it, because there's organized chaos and there's very disorganized chaos. And the military is very disorganized, no matter how structured or organized. <laughs> and yeah. I saw how to not do things a lot. And that's what really shaped my lens of leadership now. And I'm so grateful for it um, because I've always had a, you know, some people say there's an issue with authority. I've always had an inquiry to authority. Really, where are these commands coming from? What are the repercussions? What are the benefits? What are the sacrifices that are being made by the soldiers? Or, you know, we might see them as employees or anything else, right? But what are they sacrificing for the mission, for the vision? And is that vision really in alignment with humanity? And that's when I really started questioning, like, what are we doing here? Like, what are we doing as human beings? Because where were you at? Where were you stationed? Mostly I was in Oklahoma, but I saw South Korea. I deployed September 11, 2013 to June 2014. Saw different you know, countries over there as I was traveling because I was the commander's driver and gunner. And it was really interesting, really fascinating, because that's when I had, you know, gotten into physical fitness. You know, I went from drugs, from heroin to, to you know, being healthy, you know, heroin to health, yeah. right? the perception of health, because I knew like my physical body, right? I was able to eat three meals a day. I was working out twice a day. I was pushing myself to different limits that I thought never were possible before through even high school sports and stuff. And I fell in love with bodybuilding when I was in the military. And it was interesting because I'd be working out two times a day. I'd be, you know, training for competitions. I was putting myself through rigorous pain, right? Rigorous pain, um, which is ironic because I spent so many years running from it. Right. <laughs> and that self-inflicted punishment was a, was a reward for me. And there was that dopamine, right? It's that dopamine. It's that instant response. It's the six pack that I see in the mirror. And I would get my validation through there each and every day, especially when people would tell me, oh, you look great, bro. You're killing it. Oh, yeah. not realizing the damage I was really putting myself through. So 
long story short for the military, you know, I pushed myself to the point where I developed a condition called bilateral exertional compartment syndrome, which is a Never lot of that. big words put together, basically meaning that I push myself so hard that the tissue, the function of my legs just wasn't adequate. It couldn't sustain itself anymore. And basically the muscle started eating itself, deteriorating itself. Uh, to wow. where when I'd run, my legs would go numb. Yeah. So I couldn't run. I couldn't jump. I was 235, 240 pounds, buff as a fucking shit brick house <laughs> and like very large. And I thought I was powerful and turns out I wasn't, I wasn't following a sustainable pathway to health. I wasn't following a sustainable pathway that would keep me healthy enough to really serve, you know, serve the military at least. So they medically discharged me. I'm now currently a hundred percent permanently and totally disabled according to the VA. Wow. I could technically retire at 30, but I'm not. And the reason for that is because when I had gotten out, I went into fitness. I started personal training. I actually got into personal training to pay child support, you know, because I was married at 19, divorced at 21, mm. found another girlfriend right after, had my son. And then now I'm sitting there fresh out of the military, no degree, being like, how am I going to pay for these two child support payments and really sustain myself? And all I really knew was fitness. So I pursued that path, got a pro card, was bodybuilding, and then March 2000, I want to say 17 hit and uh, leaned on a granite counter, snapped off, ripped my whole hand open. Ooh. Uh, still can't fill these two fingers, can't bend and make a full fist, pretty severe. And the fitness career was gone. <laughs> it was absolutely gone, or at least bodybuilding was. So I went through the physical rehabilitation process, which took about seven months after three different surgeries and about a quarter million dollars in medical bills, wow. which of course there was a litigation and I was found to be at, you know, certain percent fault, maybe 10%, but the rest was on the company. So I got a $50,000 settlement. They cleared out my medical bills. And with that 50,000, I started my business. And that's when 2017, late 2017, early 2018 kicked off. And then I created what was New Life Health and Wellness, which was a fitness-based brand. And many years after that, and I would say during that time, I was also stumbling upon leadership work, right? So mm -hmm. Landmark, MITT, some of these transformational leaders, uh, workshops, whatever you call them, where they, you know, borderline shame you into <laughs> yeah. like uh, multi-level marketing for personal development. That's yeah, kind of what it's it intense. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, that's when I first became aware I was equipped with certain language, you know, the stories, the rackets, the self-limiting beliefs, this, this, that, and the third. And I try to mindset my way through everything because in that time I was also, again, struggling deeply with suicidal ideations. Even so, at that point still. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, from seven years old up until 2017, 2018. Um, because that's, that's really what I thought to be the easier way than living life. Mm -hmm. So in these trainings, it's, it's really what saved me. So I am grateful for that because I realized that, you know, my health was much more than the body that I walk around in. And that just initiated me into this, what most would call a, a spiritual path, right? Even though we're always on the spiritual path yeah. and I really started intentionally healing myself from the inside out. And after years and years and years where I am today, after studying shamanic work, going into plant medicine, going really deep into the darkest crevices of my soul, I've come to the place where 
really now what I'm helping myself and with others is to simplify the human experience, to simplify the spiritual experience. Like Scott was saying, you know, these solutions can be so simple. And if we know how to regulate our nervous system, if we know how to reverse engineer our stories, if we know how to take intentional breaths and intentional steps with intentional things in mind that could serve the greater good in all of humanity, then purpose becomes omnipresent. It's always there. Our existence yeah. becomes our purpose. It's not this one thing that we do, you know, for other people. I'd call that service. And the two are not the same. So having this radical shift is now what used to be new life is now new intention. And now with that, I walk with it every day. You know, the power of prayer, the understandings, right? We can look at all the ethereal and very complex you know, esoteric wisdom that's been passed on from generation to generation and civilization to civilization. And really what it's rooted in is coming back to the true nature of ourself. In which, which is? Yeah, which is... What, what is the true nature of ourselves? To just live. To, you know, as I've been saying, it's, it's to honor the seven directions and the seven directions of self, right? The north, the south, the east, the west, the elements that intertwine, the above, the below, and what's within is just our heart. And how our heart actually spreads out and actually impacts others in the world. And by holding this now, you know, I feel as though I can fully show up as a man, as a father, as a partner, as a service provider, as a coach, whatever other label that I can put, you know, accomplish myself as. Right. <laughs> <laughs> really being human and remembering, right, to break down that word, to take the broken pieces and put them back together. It's a process of alchemy. And with alchemy, we have a, a model of transformation where we can really see our living wholeness, right? When we talk about somatics, right? Anything of the body is of our living wholeness. And to know that we're always empowered, whole, and connected in every waking moment allows us to live life in purpose, on purpose, as above, so below, right? Amen, dude. I mean, I got to say, phenomenal. And I'm, on, I'm just echo Renee Gordon's uh, comments right here. She says, wow, what a phenomenal story. Thank you, Renee, for being here. She also says here, great information. Man, Nathan, uh, I normally don't let people go on that long, but your story is just so freaking powerful. And just being able to just share that with us and, and the ups and the downs and the ins and the outs and the man that you are today. We've had so many conversations before and I just have mad respect for you. Talk to us about that journey of like looking back on your life now and thinking about all those deep valleys that you went through and all the different orientations of who Nathan really is to become the man you are today. Talk to us about maybe those lowest points and how you would redefine them now, maybe from a different perspective of what it is that you were going through and what it is that you can see as a lesson that was happening at that, at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And thank you for allowing me to, to go that long. I've really done my best to reduce and condense that down to the best of my ability because there's a lot. And, oh, yeah. you know, there were, there were a few low moments. I would say that first low moment was when I was 16 um, or 17, actually. And I just got done robbing someone. And I'll be very honest with that. And, you know, the guy let his dog out or run into the truck me and the me and the homie got in the truck. We were about to drive away, and then just gunshot. Um, the back window shattered, and the bullet casing—I uh, should say—the bullet penetrated the airbag just in front of me to the left. And that could have been my life. That was one of my first near-death experiences, uh, outside of myself, at least. Not having like suicidal ideations, but you know, having that first shot shot at me, I had, I had no idea what I was doing, <laughs> and that kind of woke me up quite literally through shattered glass and it kind of shattered my idea of life. And, and that lesson there was to not like take life for granted and to really think 
before, you know, acting out of, out of survival, right? I was robbing and I was doing drugs to survive and I needed to make money somehow because I was pretty much on my own by choice around 16, 17. And, and the hustle was really what allowed me to, to, you know, make a living at that age. I mean, I can credit, I can credit most of my business experience and sales experience <laughs> from back in the day. Um, the street pharmacist. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, it's, and it's lived experience, you know, and, and having death come that close to me, it made me realize how valuable life is and how precious it is. And that any moment, someone who's pissed off, who doesn't know how to control their emotions, who has no sense of self, right? Or at least awareness of sense of self, how quickly they will actually act upon and, and perpetrate their pain onto someone else. And that was a huge lesson. And that, and I carry that lesson very well now and to not perpetrate my pain on others as I did for so many years. Wow. And that's been there. And I think the second one was my hand because, you know, that was an act of God because when I went to the hospital, you know, yeah, there were four tendons and the artery and the nerve and, you know, I was limp like this for seven months and couldn't do <clears> shit or <throat> how to do everything with my left hand. And there were two lessons. One, that we have fantastic healing abilities from within. Mm -hmm. I didn't use any pharmacological prescriptions. I didn't use anything externally other than manual therapy, other than breath work, other than being able to manage and regulate my emotional states, being able to actually shift my perspective of my experience to not go into victim consciousness every single day. Because when I did, that's when like, maybe I should just end my life. What is there for me? Blah, 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 blah. Right. All these, you know, self-sabotaging circulating thoughts, these invasive thoughts and theories would come into my mind and it didn't serve me. And I would actually find that my hand would experience more pain with the negative thoughts. And that's when I created that mind body synergistic connection to realize how powerful mind is and how it influences the body's ability to anticipate the stress or the doom that is yet to come. And with that, I was able to see, you know, there's a, there's a gift in everything. There's a gift in this hand because now I know how to use the other hand. You know, there's, there's this stuff over here that, you know, I, I took advantage of for a really long time. These are the same fingers that I pull triggers with and it, it's now taken away. And it showed me also how karmic retribution works, right? When we come into this life and we make these contracts, whether it be through God or through the devil or whatever somebody believes in, it really made me realize that, you know, we're here to learn lessons and when we don't take advantage of those lessons, when we start leaning on things to support us in life rather than standing on our own two feet, yeah, that's when things happen is when we start giving our power away, right? Like I gave my power and my strength away to the counter because I needed something else to support me. I became codependent on the substance and the structures outside of me rather than sourcing it within me. And there are giant lessons there. If we can <laughs> source and self-sustain, then that's our true power. That's our inner authority. That's what we're here to do. And that's what we're designed to do innately deep within ourselves. Dude, I love it. I, knew, I told you, Scott, right up your alley. I agree. And I'm hearing the same thing, you know, consistently is we're here for a simple purpose to recognize what I would say, Nathan, is, you know, we're here to find our brilliance and find is really just reveal because it's sitting within us and then to share that with the world. So the whole thing is about connection. And in that connection, we're creating, we're co-creators of this existence. I mean, we our perspective points of God, source, universe, creator, creating so we can experience. And that's a weird thing to swallow. You know, <laughs> you're sitting there at the, the deepest, darkest moment or, you know, Chris or I in a space that we're in a, in a dark moment. 
you know, whatever it is, heroin or living alone or, or homeless or just in your worst day ever. And somebody says you're a creator. I mean, we're all going to mm-hmm. tell them to F off. And so <laughs> there's a lot of people listening right now who are probably in that stage and they're saying, come on, man, what do you tell those people? Because sometimes when you hear these stories at maybe the wrong time, you know, there's, there's seed planting, there's starting to digest the thought and then there's fully embodying it and understanding the lesson. What do we tell the people right now who maybe just need, I don't know, a seed planted or, or can't really wrap their mind around this? What, what did you want to hear at that darkest moment where you're sitting here going, it's only uphill from here? Mm-hmm. You know, what really would have helped me was, you know, regardless of the problems, we always have prayer. Mm. That's something recently that I'm learning because, you know, even just a small little touch on that, too. It's like we live in, in a day and an age where technology really does kind of dominate our emotional sense of being our emotional state of being. Mm-hmm. And yes, we are much more sophisticated than our ancestors were from the very early rock and stone ages, you know, and even though they may not have had language or technology or external resources like we do, they still had prayer. They still had the elements. They still had nature. And even if that, you know, might seem intangible or unimaginable to actually attain the things that we're speaking of and in, in all of our hardships, you know, You'd be amazed what happens when all you do is pray. And also to know that your prayers may not be answered <laughs> the ways that you ask for them. The way. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, you know, it's interesting, Nathan. Um, so I'm, you know, again, we're, we're all coaches. So we're there to support our people. And I think a lot of coaches start off with maybe control issues, you know, where we're people who are like, I can fix it. I can fix it. You know, a very male centric, you know, mentality that, hey, I have nine tools. One of these will at least do something. Right. Mm-hmm. And um a few of my clients have just been hit with so many things at once. Then as I'm listening to them, usually I have something to say, well, start with this and we'll work together and see where it goes. When I say I had nothing for them, I had nothing. And their response to me was just pray. So the first thing I did was I said, well, what I can do is I can formulate a group to collectively put that meditative mind or prayer together at one time. So it was like two nights ago. I said, everybody in this group, this go love now group at nine o'clock central standard time, would you spend five minutes either meditating or praying? Dude, I got some amazing um, direct messages, people saying, I was just praying. And at the end of the five minutes, tears started coming out of my eyes. And I knew that something had changed. Somebody else is like, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And so so to that point, I love when you know you think you know something because there's a seed planter, you speak it. But then once it really becomes validated and embodied because you see people and again, I don't even know what the ultimate outcome is. People mm-hmm. felt it. And so to your point, we don't know how the universe, God, source, creator is going to answer that. But what we do know is the message was sent because people felt it. And there's got to be some power in that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like we're, we're sensory beings, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? If whatever we can't see, we can hear. And whatever we can't hear, we can feel. Yeah. And that's that's really it. It's like tuning into that like natural human condition. It's like, yo. If you can feel the ground underneath your feet and if you can mm-hmm. smell like the food that's cooking downstairs or if yeah. you maybe you don't have food, right? But maybe you hear the cars on the street like you're still alive. Yeah. Right? That means you still have a fucking chance. <laughs> you still yeah. have a fucking chance. You're still breathing, bro. Like how yeah. what a gift. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. It's so true. I mean, it's all, it's all about it. gratitude. It's all about gratitude. And I've got a question for you. Just want to acknowledge some people in the house. We got Jacqueline Rose in the house. What's up, Jacqueline? Thank you for being here. She says, hello, Christopher and Scott. Got Robert Broker in the house. He says, good evening, Christopher, Scott, and Jacqueline. Got Tracy Clark in the house. Thank you, Tracy, for joining us. She says, awesome, Scott. We got Miss Ellie Lawton from the England, from UK. She says, uh, do you trainers, um, well, well done working, well done for you working on your book. Sorry, I don't have my glasses on. Uh, well trained, she said. Um, Jacqueline says here, I'm getting used to a new mindset on some things. A person I know uh, says things to try to upset me, to get me mad. The person gets off of that. So I decided to take away their power by not retexting and not playing. Yeah. Good job. You know, you, you take the wind out of their, take the wind out of their sails. Ellie says here, you got new trainers. Oh, I think she's talking about my, my shoes. Sneakers, yeah. 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 Uh, Mary Kay's in the house. What's up, Mary Kay? Thank you for being here. She goes, hello, handsome dudes. Got Nelly in the house from Hooked on Humanity. She says, howdy, everyone. Of course, we got Renee in the house. I said about that. uh, Nelly says here, yes, very well said. When we discover how essential intention is and what it means to our existence and general well-being, it's like a light turns on um, to a stranger path. Yes, absolutely. Got Darlene in the house. What's up, Darlene? Thank you for being here. Um, we got Facebook user says Nathan Cullerman, my brother, shine on King. Can't wait to see you soon. I'm not sure. I don't know why it comes up with Facebook Sorry. user. But, <laughs> uh, thank you for that. Tracy says here. Well said. Thank you. Now Facebook user again, rock on Christopher Roush and Scott Goyette. Who's the Facebook user? Tell us who you are. Identify. It's probably, it's probably Angel. For some reason, hers. Remember, hers came up with a oh, Facebook yeah, yeah, user yeah. a bunch of times. Yeah. And then Nelly says, yes, collective prayer and or meditation. Healing energy is very powerful. Thank you guys all for being here. If the if the show is impacting you, please share this out. We want to definitely help a lot of people heal from this. And so, Nathan, uh, in everything that you said, you know, there, there's a tremendous journey in there. And you've worked on yourself and you've, you've got yourself a great foundation now to, to move forward. But let's talk to us about how you see people from your past, you know, your parents and the people that potentially placed you in these environments that caused you to go down that, that terrible road. Talk to us about how you find empathy and forgiveness for them or how your relationships are with them today. Yeah. As this new person. Mm, that's a good one. I've actually never been asked this question. Thank you for this. You're welcome. You know, I, I would start with my family, right? And, you know, I've had to find a lot of forgiveness, I've had to find a lot of compassion. And as a father to three now, I know for a fact, I'm like, yo, you guys were just doing the best you could because you didn't know shit either. I, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but like uh-huh. you, you were given a hand of cards and, you know, you, you really did try, I believe that they really did try, you know, because it took me what this long to, to realize like, oh, wow, I was like a perpetrator and I was kind of an asshole, <laughs> I had a lot of unresolved stuff, you know, and, and even I'll speak to my father, you know, it took even now, you know, there's there's very little to be said about that man and little that we've talked about. And that's just his path. And it was through the lens of my parents that I was able to see that through everyone, really, you know, everyone's just trying to do their best. And, you know, I would, I would even have to disagree with myself to a certain way because there are people out there who, who do enjoy, right, doing bad in, upon others, right? I was that person. I was the one who used to get pleasure from abusing other people, right? The fighting and, and the menace that was within me, even though that was still an attempt to soothe my pain. And again, not to justify or say that they're excused, right? Because absolutely not, especially as a father. Right. <laughs> as a father, as a protector of, of humanity, as I like to see myself as. But really, you know, people don't know until they know. And, and a lot of people are not willing to really look at those sides of themselves. And, and when they do, 
you know, I found that the more I try to help people see the things that they're not willing to, the more I'm trying to rescue them from their rock bottom. And if, if someone were to have done that for me, I'd be doing the same shit because I had to hit that rock bottom for myself. And yes, I can, I can still show love, but the way I show love is leaving them to their own demise and choosing myself every single day, because then I can show up for my family, my community. And then when they see me doing that, they're like, wow, I wonder, you know, why I'm not there. You know, I see this guy on Facebook and I still have people reaching out to me, people that were from back in the day, right? 13, 14 years. And these people are just getting out of prison and they're like, bro, like you changed your whole life. How'd you do that? I chose to look at myself in the mirror and be really fucking honest, you know, and and it's being that having that honest yet compassionate way. And it's not like brushing them off or ignoring them or pretending they don't exist because they're still human too. Right. Just like the people who are homeless, who are standing on corners, begging for change, they're still human too. And they have people walking by them every single day, pretending they don't exist, looking down on them. And that doesn't feel good. That doesn't Mm -hmm. feel good. So now I look at everyone as if though they're a child or if, or if though they have nothing and all they have is, is just a moment to be seen because that that's what people need more than anything. Amen. So, so here's something I've, I've been talking about a lot lately. And I think it fits in right now is if we trust that we're perspective points or fractals of source here to experience, then we're given infinite opportunities. So you're going to have a dualistic, you know, I could do this or I could do this. And some things people want to put the label of good and some things people want to put the label of bad. Mm-hmm. So when I look at some of the things that I, I did and then, you know, kind of hid from people and stuff, I would always try to point the finger and blame. Well, that's what my father would have done. You know, my, mm-hmm. he's not here. And that's because nobody, I find like an excuse. Cause I'm like, it's not who I am. It's something that was given to me or somebody like made me do it. What do you tell somebody or what do you think is really happening? When you're sitting here with a choice, I could go out and punch someone in the face because it just feels good. Or I could do a shitload of drugs because it feels good. And, and you brought up a good point earlier. Those are survival techniques. Like there, there's been points in my life where I was so numb and didn't want to accept that I could be a creator of this universe, that a bunch of cocaine or a bunch of ecstasy um, numbed me long enough to exist, to come back to reality at some point and look in the mirror. Now, I'm not going to sit here and argue that's a good journey or suggest it, mm-hmm. um, but it was an escape methodology that that was the part of the process to get me to this place and probably say, don't do it. So I'm sitting here talking to somebody right now, and it's a young kid, and maybe one of these kids who's people say he's going to be a troublemaker. Hey, go talk to him. He could be, you know, some of the things that you've done or Chris or I've done. How do you tell him to highlight and accept the reality that these shadows exist within you? How do you suggestively sell, but choose this or, or do you, how do you, how do you help somebody get to choose this and why? Like, like, why, like, why, why don't I just go be the worst person in the world? What's, what's the reason? Like, I, I want to hear your opinion on this because mm-hmm. there's a lot of opinions on this one. It's a good yeah. one. This is really good because I'm still figuring that out. I'm still figuring that out. And, you know, if there's anything I've learned from this, it's like, ask really powerful questions. You know, it's, it's not to show them the this or the that it's the, what and the how, right? What are you doing and how is this impacting your life? You know, and are you even aware that you're doing these things, you know, and not to point it out because 
again, like that defensive mechanism, right? It's a defense mechanism because then they're going to interpret the threat. They're going to go into their rational mind and process, okay, what's the level of this threat? Okay, do I fight it? Do I run from it? And eventually survival instinct happens, right? That's just the way our physiology and our neurology is designed, especially once we're deeply traumatized. And that's going to be dictated based off their past experiences and what was successful and what didn't work very well. And chances are fighting for them might feel a lot more natural, like it was for me, than running away or avoiding it. And that's where the combativeness is going to come through. And I found a lot of power through the nonviolent communication format. And it's and it's being able to just, you know, hey, what I'm what I'm seeing is when you're doing this, I'm actually kind of curious, you know, why why do you choose to do that? You know, and, and get really curious. Like I said, like look at everybody through the lens of childlike curiosity. True. As though I know nothing, right? And being able to become a hollow bone, right? And shamanic work and, and shamanic healing work, they say to become the hollow bone, to empty out my personal experience, to make the space enough for someone to have theirs. And now it's not actually getting in the way. And we're able to ask really powerful questions to where when they're stuck and they're like, I actually don't know how to answer that, that actually becomes the trigger for them to be like, hmm. I wonder why I do what I do. <laughs> oh shit. Oh, I know I do this to myself. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens after that. One one of the things um I'll just share with you because I've asked myself that question many times. That's why of course you love the answer because you're not you don't have a perfect answer. You know, I don't even like to give the answer, but one thing I will say is I do notice this when I find my triggers, that person who constantly annoys me because they're late all the time, or this person lies, or this person wasn't loyal. You know, that person keeps showing up and the architect shows up, it shows up and it will tap you and eventually become a full freight train. I notice when I remove those perceptions of lack of loyalty or liar or steals or not nice, whatever it is, when I remove, when I heal those triggers, I feel better. So what I have to, I have to deduce from that is if I'm removing things that I perceive as negative, like lack of loyalty, unkind, lies, and when I figure out, ooh, shine the light on that could be something within me. Um, do I lie? Could I potentially be a liar because of somebody my family has been and that's in me? And once I come to grips with that and I see that kind of melt away and that person doesn't show up, I feel like I'm moving forward. So I have to assume, and we know what assume does, but I'll just do it for now. <laughs> I feel like I'm moving forward when I'm doing things that I would, I don't like to use the word good, but perceive as, um, I just feel good. You know, when I'm nice to somebody, when I do the, the I don't want to say the right thing. When I do a thing that helps somebody else and I see them advance, I feel like I'm advancing within that. And when I do something like hurt somebody, listen, I still have that edge. You know, you still want to be the fighter, but I bring it to the basketball court. And then all of a sudden I'm being mean to somebody. I'm like, I'm sorry about that. You played great today. All of a sudden I go to gentleman, Scott, but I'm being an ass because there's still that thing. But I do know every time I do something kind or good or, or something that I feel like love is the basis of why I'm doing it. I just feel like there's a, a spiritual advancement. And so I just have to trust that. But to the point, man, I wish it was just an instruction manual. Don't do this. Don't do that. Not one from people we don't give a shit about, but one in my own head. You know, I mean, I'll get it. Well, all of, all of us guys have to write it, but but you yeah. have to admit, like when you're sitting, you, you brought up a great point, Nathan, if comfort comes from getting in a fight, if comfort comes from being an ass, 
And for some reason, I feel empowered in that moment because it's validating the mask I'm wearing of that day. Well, shit, I, I want to feel good. And if that's the only thing that makes me feel good, I'm going to become an, an addict to the fight. I'm going to become an addict to my mask until yeah. I remove the mask and look at my truth. But shit, it's like, it's exhausting stuff. <laughs> it really is. What do you think of that? I mean, how do you take those masks off? Because it's hard. Oh, man, I love this because yeah. conversation. I told um, you, Nathan. I, I told I told you both. I said you guys are both going to dig each other. That's why I didn't have on Ron and script. I'm like, you know, <laughs> Scott and vice versa. But yeah, I mean, you know, there's, you know, in this work, right? P personal development work that there's an overemphasis on taking off your mask, take off your mask, take off your mask and mask, 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 mask. Mm -hmm. But dude, we change our clothes every day, right? We put on masks every day. To, to fit or or to assume the role that the environment requires us how how we show up it requires us to show up a certain way so there's there's a lot of you know you spoke to the negative the dualistic lens of negative there's a lot of negative things around masks but masks are also necessary right now is that mask made from authentic material? That's more of the question. Mm, wow. If your mask is made of authentic material, I don't think there's anything fucking wrong with it. But if you're wearing a mask made of plastic that you fabricated just to appease the needs of everybody who sees it, that's yeah. where the issue lies. The defense mechanism mask mm. versus the mask that's a true strength. That that's what it is. That's that I love that. Yeah, that's sweet. But you it's know? true. Yes. Like, like what happens if we go to a school in like a tougher part of any city right now? We're gonna go in and they have to be tough. They can't listen to us. They can't be vulnerable. They can't be transparent because that plastic mask, that defense mechanism mask versus the authenticity mask, that's it right there. Because, I mean, I know you've done the same thing. You're talking to young people. You're talking to somebody. You have to sit in authenticity, hollow out the bone, do the whole thing, sit there. And then once that safe space is created, you see the, holy shit, you're not my enemy. And you see them melt away and then the mask not the mask, the the poor structure of the mask or what's what is created, like you said, the plastic, whatever. There's something in there, the defense mechanism versus the authenticity that makes the mask shitty. I like that. I like the difference. I'm thinking of all this and I'm going to reincorporate some of the stuff in the verbiage into the coaching because sometimes I do use mask. I'm thinking what you're thinking, but somebody might be hearing it all masks are bad. You're right. I'm going to walk in today with a certain group I teach. And there's a certain way I'll carry myself. And then I might say something different here. And then in front of my wife, it might be slightly different from my daughter. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm fitting in in different groups. Right. If I said the same things that I say around you guys in front of my daughter's friends, she'd be like, are you serious? Fuck, dad. <laughs> yeah, what the hell's wrong with you, dad? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I first I first heard that analogy when it's like, um, you know, homeless, hopelessness. You know, that, that's been a big thing for me right now is the homeless community. I'm trying to find ways to serve the homeless community and really speak to, to them because they're under-resourced, right? And being a veteran, right? There's a lot of homeless veterans. So, you know, I kind of, I've seen both sides. I've, I've slept on benches before, as as we all have in some certain way, I'm sure. Um, again, don't want to speak for the experience. But, you know, when, when you see someone who's homeless, right, there's almost the implied assumption that this person's on drugs, right? There's a societal conditioning and, and programming around, oh, how'd that person get homeless? Oh, they probably did drugs and they fucked up their life. When in reality, how did they know that? What if this person got hit by the 08, whatever stock market crash, mm -hmm. couldn't afford to do anything, lost everything they had and then got fired from their job. And the only way they can cope with being on the streets is by getting high. 
exactly if that's their solution than having to live in that life i would be fucking on drugs too <laughs> sweating in the arizona sun on the highway walking down the highway asking for change you know life might actually be a little bit more manageable if i was high and i can have more compassion for that mask than what's really underneath it because that's probably a lot of fucking pain to see that pain to be that vulnerable that takes a lot of courage and, and to be in a place where hopelessness exists right there's hopelessness and homelessness to be in that hopelessness in that hopelessness I, I couldn't imagine right so so who am i to judge it who am i to say it's negative who am i to say that that mask is inauthentic when that mask is probably the only person that knows because that's their adaptation right just as we've all formed adaptations right our our physical body our structures were actually very early on in terms of like primordial development when we first started, if you look in evolutionary psychology, evolutionary, you know, advancement of human beings, right? Every culture, every race actually has a different biomechanical and physiological adaptation response to best suit the environment, whether it was rocky terrain or beach. And we take those things into consideration, but we forget them. Thinking that we're any different when we still have the same DNA sequence that puts all of our pieces together. And, and now we walk around in these meat sacks, but now we have a mind and some sophistication behind it. And we think that we know better. Mm. No. Yeah. I mean, you gotta, you gotta seek first to understand. I mean, you gotta sit there and understand what it would be like to walk in those person's shoes. And that's a point you brought up, Nathan, is the fact when I think about my journey and my mom, actually, I just, I just literally wrote it in a chapter in my book. I was sitting there talking about like the lessons and retrospect of this you know, early on in my beginning of my life. You know, people have asked me like, why didn't you hate your mom? And I'm like, you know what? The thing that got me through those hard times and sitting there thinking about it as an adult to be able to find forgiveness and empathy for her was to say, if I had gone through her steps in her life, if I had been a part of the abuse that she suffered from her mom, if I had been through all the different situations that she's been in, might I be like her? And immediately, as much as I did not want to say it, I was like, well, yeah, I'd probably, but, and my, my, my immediate defense mechanism wants to say, but I would have, no, no. Chris, with, with their DNA and everything else that they, what their journey is here, you can't take that journey from them. I know all of us as, as coaches want to go out there and help somebody. We see somebody in trouble. Like I could tell you the three things to do to, to save you. And so you don't have to go through that, but we're robbing that person of that journey that they need to go through. Just like you had to go through your journey to be here. And Scott and myself had to go through for me to go back and sit there and say, okay, I understand that life was happening for me and not to me. And it was up to me to be able to take responsibility at the right moment of time. Like you said, you walked up and you saw those guys standing out front of your high school. It's like, this is it. And I did the same exact fucking thing. You said, I'm going to wind up in a, in a, in a prison or a casket. I said the same thing. I'm going to wind up in a back of a police car or in the ground. Like literally when I left the motel yeah. and everything else, cause I was like, I got to that point where God source universe said, dude, here's your gateway. If you don't take it, you're going to go down this another few years of shit. And then I'm going to give you another opportunity. So it's up to us to be recognizing when those opportunities uh, become available. So I love that. And I can't even believe we've already been talking for 50 minutes, but I have one more question for you because this is so powerful and everybody's just really digging this right now in the world. I mean, there's so much uncertainty and chaos and there's so much fear. What would you say to people listening right now, whether on the replay or on the pod on the podcast, how should we, frame ourselves to be able to deal with that uncertainty and come, come at it from a place of curiosity and confidence to know that it is happening for us at this particular moment. We may not like it, but through it on the other side, we're going to become stronger and be able to help other people with that. What, what can we do to help them reframe that uncertainty and that chaos to be more empowering? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And it's interesting because with where I'm at now, you know, to believe something that's in chaos is the limitation itself. 
right? And it's that living in the in the psychological timeline of fear, which is in the future, right? And you know, get present, be present, right? E- easier said than done. Right? <laughs> we're human beings, and we have ninety thousand thoughts a day, if not more, and we're thinking of the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing. But we're not looking at all the things that have happened that got us to the here and the now to actually celebrate that, you know, and to have faith that hey, if, if you're standing here and you're breathing your chance of success has been a hundred percent up to this point yep. and let's give ourselves that grace. Let's celebrate that because it doesn't matter what we did, you know, because we're only future casting the things based on our success and our failures, right? Both are equally important, but really to ground into the now, right? Really what that means is to acknowledge how far you've come, right? To see that 100% success rate because Somehow, some way, no matter all these shitty things that you may have done in your life, you still made it to this call with mm-hmm. people reflecting back to you what you already know lives within you. So there's that. <laughs> and there's uncertainty. And right, humans only need to trust when we don't know what's happening next. So this is actually an invitation to learn how to trust. Learn how to trust yourself. Learn how to trust each other. Learn how to trust that something higher, something we can't even comprehend nor understand already has their best interest for us because God didn't put us here to suffer. God didn't put us here to suffer. And when we come to that realization, then the fear and the uncertainty and the unknown on the other side of our past experiences and our projections becomes widely clear and widely available that anything is fucking possible. Here we go. Mic drop. Boom. Mic drop. There's the microphone. Boom. Scott, final question before we close out, man. Beautiful conversation. I'm going to give him a question that I already know the answer. Would you be willing right now to spend, let's say, three minutes um, engaging in exactly what you suggested? Why don't we just do a meditation for the suffering that was not imposed by creator source, but that's been a byproduct of our humanity? And just recall our, our greatness, our oneness, our amazingness, our everything, our infinite, our divine. Let's just do three minutes of silence. And everybody who's listening to this in the future, everybody who's listening to this now, literally feel the power of the energy of the oneness that we are, the divine. Let's just sit here for three minutes, even if it's uncomfortable. And let's just totally just zen out. Can we do that, Chris? Are you cool with that? <laughs> I mean, sure, my brain's going crazy, but of course, three minutes of absolutely, I can do it. Um, I'm just going to just trust the divine timer. I'm just going to lean in and I'm just going to feel all the goodness in the world right now.
good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, you actually have a timer? I was going by my divine time. We created time. Well, that was, I mean, that was, that was awesome. Great idea, Scott. Pushed me right out of my comfort zone. I know, I know exactly the first, the first like few seconds, like what the hell are we doing? Why do I have to close my eyes? What's going on? And then, and then you eased in. I was there right away. I was like, I just wanted to not fall asleep and just go into some theta state and be changed into some other planet. So I just try to stay on that bridge of theta to delta and come back. Sounds like airlines. Data yeah, delta. Flying airlines. American. I was flying like yeah, different realm airlines. <laughs> Nathan Kohlerman, man, the unfiltered experience, brother. <laughs> You are definitely invited back anytime. I mean, there's so many different places we could jump off of. This is de- this is definitely the introductory session to be here on the Unfiltered Experience. I know there's a lot of different conversations we can have. Where yeah. can people get a hold of you and continue the conversation with yourself? Absolutely. And I'm so ready to come back. This is such a beautiful experience. And yeah, people can find me on all the socials at Nathan Kohlerman. You just popped up the website, newintention.com. That's where I'm at a lot of the times. And always here, always available, always ready um, to support, to be of service, to be of, you know, to the greater good of humanity. That's why I'm here. Love it. Let's connect. I knew it was good. I knew it was going to be fantastic. Ellie says, thank you one and all. Um, Darlene says, yes, mic drop. Absolutely. Um, uh, Nelly says, uh, you're a soul in search of truth. My friend now one of my peeps, Oh, yeah. Nellie Nelly does work with the homeless. Uh, she's an amazing mm. person, super mm. supportive. She says here, you're so right. I really appreciate your compassion and empathy for your brethren. Truly, man, it's been a, a, an awesome, awesome conversation. So definitely going to have you back, man. Thank you for, for coming in. We'll keep your son in our prayers most definitely. Yes. And um, yeah, you guys definitely check him out at new, uh, newintention.com for you guys listening on the podcast, N-E-U-I-N-T-E-N-T-I-O-N, New Intention. And then also... Uh, Instagram and all the socials, Nathan Kohlerman. You guys can check out the show notes and get all that information. But brother, thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you for being on the journey that you're being on. Uh, I've known you for a while now and just uh, really appreciate and respect you. And I know we're going to meet in person soon. So mm-hmm. I'm going to put you backstage for a second while Scott and I close out the show, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right thank with you in a second. Thanks, Thanks brother. I told you, Scott. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, wasn't it? I mean, just I a like beautiful it. soul. When I when I learned about his story and I heard him in clubhouse rooms and he would tell me about his story, I'm like, you know, and I heard him talk before and I was just like, this guy's so, I mean, it reminds me of you, eloquent, you know, calm-minded and very sincere and everything. And I'm like, and then he tells his story, like I did this and I did this and I'm like, <laughs> holy fuck, that dude's been on a journey. Yeah. And I always have so much respect. I mean, I did bad things, but I mean, not not nearly to that that, that effect, but the fact of the, the journey that he's mm-hmm. been on and that he's chosen chosen to 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 step in the fire and to step into those those dark difficult places i've seen the retreats and the in the experiences that you talked about the shamanic experiences and all the different that's why i knew you dig them um and seeing what he's pushed himself through and the, and, the, and the sheer will and desire to break that 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 traditional cycle of everything that goes on in our families that's what i was just writing in the book is like you know my mom was abused and we talk about oh you know there's abuse that runs in our family no that's a choice and and nathan's a clear example of how we break that that cycle of abuse and continue to shine our light and it reminds me that we can't always take away people's journey we want to help and we want to help fix their lives and everything else but they got to go through some of that stuff to become the person that they're going to become yeah yeah i think um some of the highlights some of the things that if if you're just catching this at the end or you just uh listen to one part of it 
I would really listen to that comment about um, the masks that we are yeah. wearing masks 24 seven and we shift from one space to the other. And uh, we do have to have masks, but that mask can be, you know, of authenticity, transparency, and it can be have fillers, you know, crap content in there. And so I would check your mask for the content. Are you doing this as a defense mechanism just to make yourself pretty, make yourself look stronger because you're scared? Are you doing this because it's appropriate in this situation? Two big differences. The other one is, I feel like uh, one of the things that I tend to do is my last resort after using everything up here. Like, how can I help this? How can I do this? What tool, what mirror do we need to look in? And then maybe make the first thing that you do, you know, 24 seven is just a little shout out to shout out to universe, AKA prayer, meditation, whatever. But maybe not even always an ask, but just, uh, hey, I know I'm co-creator in this existence. I want to make some changes. Please empower me to do it. But just just kind of an energy exchange, um, some format of prayer, maybe early on. I think that's super huge. And really take a look at the fact that we're all created from an opportunity where, you know, we are the creator. We're creating meaning so we can choose things that are less than wonderful or good. And we can choose things that we deem to be good. And if we're creating this existence, let's really try to be the light so we can start choosing the good. And there'll be people like Nathan, Chris, and I that you know, maybe didn't make great choices. And hopefully we can learn something and not always have to be an experiential learner and just take it. I told you so, like, just don't do this. <laughs> but uh, hopefully we can support you guys and your growth. I love Nathan. I had a wonderful time connecting with you guys tonight. And I think there's some beautiful uh, nuggets of wisdom. Yeah, it's a great show. jumping off point for your men's retreat this weekend. Yeah, no, it's hilarious because I'm sure he would love to be at the men's retreat. I'd love to go to his. Um, his might be a little more aggressive, minor breathwork intensive and the shamanic work too. Um, mine are probably a little gentler um, right now, but I'm always open to, you know, I'm, I'm willing to do all of it. Like mm -hmm. I've done the- I spent time with you, fucker. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, yeah, you know that I'll go all in. Like uh -huh. if, I if went from breathwork, I went breathwork to fucking psilocybin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever aggressive tactic you have, to cleanse my soul and make my world a better place. I'll, I'll do it once, yeah. twice, three times. So you got to do it once to figure out what it is. You got to do it again to see if you like it, you know, all that different stuff. Mary Case says, great show tonight, Nathan. You are so inspiring. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Jacqueline says, what would work for me is uh, to be a Rocky, get good work out in the punching bag. Punching Absolutely. You got to do what you got to do. Um, Nelly says this, y'all, this was, a, this was awesome. Needed, I'm about to start wearing my glasses. Um, Nelly said, or uh, uh, Ellie says here, I broke it, but, if, but it was frigging hard and lonely. I never wanted to hurt others the way I was hurt. That would have been so wrong. So breaking the traditional cycle of, of abuse and everything else. And that's what the show's about is, is bringing you guys vulnerable conversations, inspiring you guys to think differently about your past, present, and your future. And especially in the world today where there's so much chaos and uncertainty, sit silent for a moment, you know, and sit and listen and, and think about all the things to be grateful for. Like Nathan said, you know, I, I do this all the time when I speak from stage, I'm like, who here has a problem? Like, and 99% and of the, the problem is money. And I'm like, okay, who here could use a million dollars tax-free? I give you cash right now. And everybody's like, oh my God, a million dollars. What is this? The Oprah show? They're checking under their seats. And I'm like, no, I said a million dollars tax-free. I said, you give me your eyesight. You see everybody's hands go, like, whoa, 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 everybody just said, you just said a uh, million dollars would save everything and make your lives all awesome, but you don't want to give up your eyesight. Okay. Your eyesight's super important. I get that. So who here could use a half a million dollars? And everybody's like looking at me like, what, what, what? I'm like a half a million dollars. You give me your legs. You're paralyzed from the waist down. You're, you spend the rest of your life paralyzed, but you can surf. You can still drive and everything else, but you have half a million dollars cash right now. Everybody's looking at me like I'm fucking crazy. I'm like, so 
when you wake up tomorrow and your eyes open and your feet at the floor, you're a million five ahead of the game. Be grateful for all those different aspects. Be grateful. Don't be looking at all the things you don't have because you're going to find more of that. If I tell you to look around your room right now and tell me everything that's blue, you're going to be like, that's blue, that's blue, that's blue, that's blue, that's blue. And I'm like, what was green? Well, Chris, I was looking at blue. Same principle applies in your life. If you're looking at all the shitty things that are happening in your life, that's what you're going to find. If you're looking at what you're grateful for, you're looking at what you're excited for, what you can do, be appreciative about, that's where the abundance comes in there. And most of all, like Nathan said, go out there and contribute to your fellow brothers and sisters because people need it right now. Go seek first to understand, then to be understood. Go out there, be a part of the solution, not part of the problem. We'll be back here next Friday night, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And we ask that you please go again to helphealhumanity.org. We ask you to go to theunfilteredexperience.com. And we ask you to come back here and be brilliant with us. Let us know what it is that you want to see on the show, what type of guests you want to see on the show. We'd love to have them and have you on the show and appreciate you guys here for supporting us every single week. Robert, Ellie, Tracy, Mary Kay, Darlene. Uh, it was Princeton, by the way. It was Princeton Clark. Princeton Clark yeah. in the house. Thank you, brother, for being here. It's Sometimes it comes up that. So he says, Princeton. So Princeton was here. Nelly, Tracy, Renee, um, all you beautiful people, whether you're live or on the replay, we love and appreciate you guys. You're a part of our unfiltered crew. We'll see you next time. Go have a brilliant weekend and we love you guys. Peace. Go create some meaning. <laughs>